hey, it's Dan. And this is Martin. Welcome to Down to Chat Podcast, where we mull and steal about everything and anything. From poops and scoops to unplugging society's constipations, one conversation at a time. And this week, it's just us. It's just Martin and I for today. This week, we'll be talking about a recent show that we watched, and it's called Alice in Borderlands. You might have heard of it. It's on Netflix, playing right now. I want to say it came out maybe a few weeks ago, two weeks ago. I want to say like December. I'm not really sure. But okay, maybe <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. It doesn't really matter too much. But what is important is that we did see it. It was quite good. In fact, I was so enamored by the storyline and plot that I read the manga over the weekend. And I, in fact, I just finished this morning before the podcast just to get ready for this conversation. For our viewers who have not watched it yet or read it yet, you know, this might be a good episode to skip for now until you have at least seen a few episodes. Spoiler warning. There's uh, huge spoiler warnings. Huge spoilers. So at this point, if you do not want to be spoiled in any way or fashion, this is your chance to uh, step out the door, close this podcast, still give us a like. And come back when you're done. <laughs> that's right. That's right. That's right. In Alice in Borderlands, the quick synopsis of it is folks are being transported out of this Tokyo to a parallel universe Tokyo, or at least what they understand as a parallel universe Tokyo, where they're forced to play these death games where their lives are on the line. And these games are very perverted in a sense that they're very gory. They're really messed up. There's different themes for these games, psychological, intelligence, physical, physical, and there was one other one, teamwork, teamwork, that's it. Teamwork, yeah. And it's extremely gross uh, right but at the same time it's also very interesting because it's it's a show that pushes the boundaries right the social contract that you know we as society have right when i say social contract it just means that we're bound to rules and expectations for example i'm not gonna rob my neighbor i'm not gonna go up to someone and stab them in the stomach that's just a social contract i do not want i have no intention or wanting to do so but in this world, those social contracts are kind of out the door. Everything is... Does not yeah. exist. While these expectations don't exist, it's also it's dystopic, but it's also very restrictive, right? You can't do whatever you want, right? Uh, if you choose to break the rules or defy what is outlined, a, laser, a magical laser from the sky kills you immediately. Yes, people get sniped from like the heavens <laughs> with super laser. It just goes right through your head, bang, yeah. your head. Oh, and, and I think the other thing uh, we should mention is the, the concept of visas. Mm, yes. So the participants or the, the people in this world, this, this parallel Tokyo, you might be wondering, why would you participate in a game that would kill you, right? And it's because they have no choice. So each participant has a visa. So the n- number of days you're allowed to stay in this world uh, before your visa expires. And at that point, again, magical laser comes, snipes you in the face, you just die. And the only way to increase your visa is to play the game. And depending on the difficulty level of the game, you will get more or less days. But that's how you extend the number of days you have to live. Yeah, so I think this just kind of forces all the participants to have to play the game at some point in time. Yeah, and you don't find out what the game is until you're in the actual arena. And once you enter arena, there's no way out. If you try to escape from the entrance or the entryway, magic laser, you get magic laser up <laughs> through the head. Again, it's super messed up in so many ways, yeah. but at the same time, very, very interesting. I'm, I've always been a fan of dystopic, but ironically, I like dystopic, but I don't like gore and like the scary. <laughs> That, that's a hard combination to find because yeah. usually when, because when, uh, I am also a fan of dystopic yeah. Yeah. shows or shows that have some kind of 
yeah, dystopic or apocalyptic kind of future, because I think in that kind of environment, you can pose a lot of interesting philosophical or moral or social questions in these made up environments and just see how people react and respond. Mm -hmm. Right. It's like almost like a kind of like a social experiment of sorts. And you get to see how different writers or directors, whether it's a show or a game or a book, even kind of explore that, explore the, the limits and boundaries of, I guess, human morality, mm, yeah. uh, as well as usually also a social commentary on today's society as well, right? right? And as Dan, as you mentioned earlier, about like the social contracts yeah. uh, and social constructs that we have now today. Right. If you're a fan of Black Mirror, I think this would be something that's uh, up your alley. And I forget mm. if you watched Black Mirror, Martin. I've watched a little bit of yeah. Black Mirror. I do want to get into it more because I've right. heard great things from it, but I haven't been following like every episode religiously, right. only the few episodes here and there that like I've heard. Yeah, so really Black Mirror is just the whole, it is, like you said, a commentary. It is, I wouldn't say satire, but it's a very dark take on what the future could look like as we become more and more glued to the Black Mirror of our lives, which is mm -hmm. in essence our phones when they're powered off. Anyway, so moving on to the plot points, uh, as we move forward into the story, we find out there are two groups of individuals in the in the story. There are the players who participate in these games, and we also have the dealers. The dealers are the ones who set up these games. They do the cleanup crew afterwards, and they're essentially the supervisors of the game to make sure they run nicely and smoothly. So when you're brought into this parallel universe, parallel Tokyo, you're either chosen to be a player or you're chosen to be a dealer the players have no idea the dealers exist the dealers are brought to this super hidden building where they supervise the games organize things and they can uh, view all the players from a giant array of different screens so i think one thing i do want to discuss today is you know for martin and i if we were brought to this world and we were told that we were dealers that you were, were chosen to be dealers we're on the easier side of life Right. And um, we have to participate in these games where we supervise these games. And the catch is that depending on the amount of people we kill, we will gain visa days corresponding to how many people we kill. So if we kill 10 people, we gain 10 days on our visas to live 10 more days. So instead of for us to, is to survive is to kill more people. If we refuse or reveal that we are uh, dealers to the public or the players, then we get, again, magical laser through our heads. So... So the dealers are, it's interesting because when uh, at the point in the story where you learn about dealers in the beginning, my initial thought was like, wow, what the hell's wrong with these people? You know, they're incredibly messed up. Why would you create these horrendous games to, you know, torture people essentially and kill them. Right. And upon learning that if you don't become choose not to become a dealer, right. you also die. So in a way they're kind of victims as well, but obviously they're doing terrible things to other people, not to say 100%. And you'll find out later if you end up reading a manga that they're not the ones that actually design these games. They're simply pawns mm. who supervise and run. There's, even, There's higher. even higher power. And I'm not going to spoil anything yeah. for you. I know you haven't, you're looking forward to season two, but I just finished a manga today, so I know the whole story. The ending, <laughs> I have some like, uh, I'm not sure how I feel about it. It's a bit, so it's, okay. it's, 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 it's an interesting ending. It's an interesting take on it. I'm just not sure if that's something that I would be satisfied with. So I'm looking <laughs> forward to seeing how the live action takes the plot because there are differences between the manga and the, and the live action. But I do appreciate how the live action took the source material. 
right? I thought that was really respectful, especially character designs. They look mm-hmm. very similar plot-wise. They took parts here and there, but overall, it's still very faithful to the source. Going back to the dealers, right? So if you were you were yes. presented, you know, you, were, you you arrived in this parallel world, and someone came up to you and said, "Look, welcome to the Borderlands. We have decided that you want you are to be a dealer. Do you accept your position, right? And you'll you'll be debriefed, debriefed over, you know, as they brought you to the hidden building and what you'll be doing, what your expectations are as a dealer." Would you go through with it? Would you go through supervising these games knowing that you'd be killing all these people? Would your morality stop you and just say, you know, I accept suicide? Well, death by laser rather, or do you go through with it? That's, so it's interesting. Obviously I can only respond from the perspective of not actually being in that situation, right? Maybe if I was literally put in that situation, my brain would think and my, I don't know, uh, instinct would kick in and I'd react differently. But I think I'm trying to imagine at the very least of putting myself in that position. If I was put it like magically teleported into this world, because that's essentially yes. what's happened, right? You're just magically teleported. I think at the beginning, I don't know if I'd believe it because it sounds very far-fetched, right? It's like, okay, we have magical lasers that will do yes. this to people and you're going to have to create games that will kill people. I'm like, like right. what's going on here? Are, right. are you kidding? So I might not believe it right away. I might even push the boundaries of these right. rules, so to speak. And, and really try to get to see if this is like legit or is this just some like sick prank right. or something. I think upon finding out what it is, I don't know. I think my first instinct is like, how do I get out? <laughs> how do I escape? How do I, cause I don't, I don't want to do this. Cause that, that's, right. that's messed up. What some of these games are like, holy yeah. f- I don't know if I'm allowed to say that, I'll, I'll but we might out. edit this out. Okay. Interesting. Yeah. It's messed up. And so, would I would I just choose the I guess the the more moral route, which is like right. I'm not doing this mm. to the people. Kill me yeah. if you like, but I ain't gonna yeah. do it. it. It'd be nice. <laughs> I would like yeah. to think that I would do that, but I think given at that point in time of my life, maybe say it's right now. Is there no other way I can figure this out? Maybe I'll push the boundary with yeah. one game to see how that works. And if I can't figure out how to stop it or find a loophole, then then yeah, maybe maybe I'll just I'll I'll just let the laser come and shoot. Yeah, because <laughs> it's I, I don't know if I could go through with that. It's it's yeah. really messed I up. I agree with that. As and I also want to you know this whole pandemic really brought into perspective of selfishness of humanity, right? Mm. Uh, folks do whatever benefits them. I feel like yeah. the most ethical thing to say is. To the best of our ability, we're not going to participate in supervision of these games as dealers. We're inclined to, you know, hopefully we all survive. I feel like if you actually pitched this question, you had to decide. I think more often than not that folks would prioritize their own survival, right? They would prioritize their own survival than prioritize the lives of many strangers, essentially, right? Essentially, you're playing against the lives of people you don't know. You, what if you end up killing them it's inconsequential uh to yourself there are definitely many folk who would not under any circumstance but if if i've learned anything in this pandemic is that folks would always put themselves first absolutely i think in a higher like if you look yeah. at the general population as a whole right or even just human beings as a species 100%. Humans are incredibly selfish. Right. Look at what we're doing to the planet, right? Look at what mm-hmm. we do to the resources around us. 
I think for the most part, like, yeah, human beings are selfish. We will take and take and take to our own benefit or maybe the benefit of our, say, our family. Yeah. As long as we can get away with it. Now, as we developed, like, over the centuries of, like, human existence, we've become more aware of, like, the environment and we're trying to do better. Mm -hmm. But when push comes to shove, I think human beings, right. as again, generally speaking, yeah. are inherently selfish. Uh, as with mm, I most agree. animals. So really, I, I think if it, it really came down to it, I think I would participate in the games. I might try my best to mitigate that's the best of ability as a dealer, probably drop hints here and there, right? To help the players. In terms, depends on the game, right? So if it's anything like the psychological hearts games, so the heart games are probably the most uh, heart-wrenching. I mean, as the symbol <laughs> implies, but the idea between the heart psychological games is that, that it pits your allies, your teammates against each other. So for example, in one of the games, there, there were four players. Uh, There's a main protagonist, two friends, and this this woman they just met. And they were designated, there was one designated wolf, and the rest of them became sheep. Essentially, in the, in the, when the 15-minute timer was up, the one who remained the wolf would survive and win the game, and the sheep would die uh, from these collars that would explode around her neck. Yes, and that's part of the entry and mission. Again, if you don't put them on, magical laser from above. Right. It's always with the magical laser for some reason. <laughs> yes. I, I think that's a very easy plot mechanic to abuse. If you don't do something, you magically so die have, from, from the super I actually laser. have <laughs> a theory on that, but because you haven't read the manga to the end, I'm not going to spoil it for you. But I think parts of that, okay. parts of the reasoning for those lasers do come into play, or you get a little bit of a better understanding um, in the second half, the second arc of the, of the manga. Right. So I'm going to leave that for now. We will come okay. back to this later on when season two comes around and when we can discuss it further. Honestly, I might just like okay. read the manga and just because I'm, I'm interested okay. to know as so well. So we can so come back to this. And, we and, can come back to this later on. Either in way. a way, spoil it. But either way. So, sure. you know, so let's say you're in a group of four friends and you happen to be the wolf of the group. You ha you were you're given the ability to survive. And essentially, if, as long as you don't lock eyes with anyone else in the, in the playing field, you won't lose your lifeline as a wolf. Right. So, so the way to, I guess, change what role you are is that if you're the wolf and you lock yeah. eyes with one of the sheep, that person becomes right. a new wolf and so then you become the sheep. I think it's extraordinarily tough for the main protagonist at the time because it's not him and three strangers like we were discuss discussing before as dealers, right? There's some more, yeah. there's more meat in the game here where, you know, I'm, I'm essentially choosing my survival or the survival of people I know and friends from yes. like uh, many years. Exactly. Because there can be only one survivor in this game, right? Which is right. With the only wolf. one wolf. And there's no, there's no ways around it as far as we understood from the game. Yeah. So I think that like, I'm just trying to put myself in that situation. Like, how would I deal with it? And I'm very pragmatic as a person. And whenever it came to conflict, I feel like I would, the way I would go about it, as stupid as it sounds, is some sort of rock, paper, scissors kind of game. And we and we just decide, I mean, I don't know if you agree with me there, but I think I would choose the most fair, equal way of deciding who gets to survive. And that's, the, that's probably how I would go about it if I was in that situation. Certainly, you know, I'd be afraid for my life. I would be in like intense, severe yeah. trauma at a time. 
But how would you go about, like, what would you do if you were in that situation? I would also try to figure out a way to make it the most fair. Like if it was between me and my friends, I don't think my life is necessarily more important than their lives. And if there's no way out of this, I wouldn't, yeah, I wouldn't wish it upon anyone to kind of make that decision. So yeah, I would, I would probably try to work, talk it out and be like, okay, let's look if it's by chance in some way, whether it's rock, paper, scissors or another method, I'm thinking I would probably opt for that route too. Knowing my friends, I think they're all good people. And so, uh, and I think I, I, you know, look for good people to be friends. So I don't think they would selfishly try to actually yeah. win the game and screw everyone else over. So given that if we all view this equally and fairly, then yeah, I think we should leave it up to chance. It's tough though. Definitely. How do you choose between your own life and your friends? I mean, it depends on our relationship, but if it's like the group of friends that we usually hang out with, it would be incredibly yeah. difficult. Incredibly. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Right. I, I don't even know, like forgetting pragmatic aside, I'm like, none yeah. of us are worth that much more than the other. I'm like, which one of us would contribute the most in society? If I weigh it like that, even then it's kind of like, I don't know, how do you weigh, how do you measure that? Right? Yes. Actually, well, so just a, s- a small, interesting point or side note rather. Just thinking back, so not I'm not thinking of friends as in people in our social circle at the moment, but just a generic being that is a friend, like uh, imaginary person. I would actually see my friend's reaction because if I would, I think I would wait to see the reaction. I wouldn't propose the idea of some chance-based thing first to see okay, if they're going to be okay, an let's, asshole. Let's about say, it. let's say that they do. Let's say one of them says, you know, yeah. screw you guys, stares at you, takes a, takes a wolf and runs away. What will you do? Okay. My next proposal, fine. My next proposal, <laughs> that guy's an asshole. How about yeah. if you, the rest of us, agree, we will tie this guy down, make sure he's out of the game, and then we will work it out between the three of us. Because I don't think any one person in that situation is better than the other. So if one person's going to be a dick about it, I mean, I get it. It's your life, but still, if you're going to be an asshole about it, then you're no longer a friend of mine. And in this situation, in this type of like live or die scenario. If you're not a friend, you're most likely an enemy. So I'm going to gather my friends. We're going to, we're going to catch this guy. We're going to tie him down. And then we're going to leave it to, to chance. Right. If, if they agree. But if all of, a, all of a sudden, everyone, you know, turns into like super asshole, self-preservation, selfish mode, which again is fair, right? It means your own life. It's, I, should, I shouldn't necessarily call them an asshole per se, because again, it's like, how do you choose, right? But if all of them suddenly go selfish mode, then like, I don't even know. I don't know how to respond. Like, do I still try to opt the fair route? Honestly, or do I just let them if do it? it if it and... came down to it, yeah, I, I, I'm not dying on this hill. Like, if we aren't, if we aren't playing on the same field or a level I am, yeah. you know, I'm all for being kind to one another. But if I'm gonna be stabbing behind yeah. my back and have 15 minutes aside, if I'm gonna survive, yeah. yeah, I'm gonna, I'm gonna try it. All's fair, you know. All's fair. <laughs> Everything's on the table. <laughs> That's what I would do. Yeah, yeah. So. Like, given the games that were presented in the live action, discounting the manga, how long do you think you would survive? Okay, so spoilers on the first game in the show. That is pure, to me, okay, I, I would argue that that's dumb luck. Because the way he found out is like by measuring distances with a car and the width of a building. Now, I think to some degree, I could probably make a guess of like, okay, how big is this building? How many rooms have we been in? But to measure it to the precise grid, because he basically draws a map 
from memory based on units of measurement of car lengths because there was a right. car parked outside that apartment building or whatever. I, I don't know if I would necessarily be able to do that. And then basically, so I guess to explain, the first game was took place in an, like an apartment building and uh, essentially every room had two doors, one door that says life or live and one door that says death. And depending on which one you go through, there could be some kind of like fire trap or some some yeah. deathly trap that would kill you and then the, on the uh, on the other door mm -hmm. then it's like nothing happens and the object of the game is to make it through this little maze of rooms to the very end and the way that the protagonist solves it is by again using cars to measure which rooms or, or how big the rooms are to get an idea of how many rooms are in that entire apartment or that entire building and thus based on which door is facing which direction he kind of formed a mental map and he drew on a piece of paper to me and not to mention that this is time too there's a time limit to this game so if you don't decide either the the life door or the death door then some trap explodes yeah. in your own room and you still die so in the time the time limit that he was given and the situation the panic that he was in right. especially if this is your first game right. and he's able to draw the map i don't think that realistically i think 99 percent of the population would just like, I don't know. I don't know what the fuck. Regardless of, so, you know, sure. I, and I agree with chance. that. But at the same time, it's it, like, I think it's possible to have derived, like, assuming you were somewhat of an experienced player, I think it's easy to derive that. Yeah. If you're more experienced, if you're more I feel experienced. like it's possible to derive yeah. that the building is a square, right? Based on the map given yes. to you by the elevator, which is how you found out, which in terms of the layout of the floor, flooring. Right. Yeah. So I think yeah. it is possible to kind of figure out the direction in terms of the maze and the square uh, based on solely the format yeah. of the building, discounting the length of a car. Um, yeah. Mind you, of course, it's like plot protection for the characters. Like they're not, they're not plot protection. Probably. Of course, of you course. Can't die in the first but chapter. <laughs> you appreciate with these shows, uh, especially with this yeah. one and other shows I've enjoyed, is that they're not afraid of killing off characters. And especially ones that no. are close to the main protagonist. And I appreciate it more when they do yes. it early, right? It's, I mean, like when you yeah. do it at the end, there's always some sort of, like, I feel like the, the hero gains some sort, of, some sort of extra power tool or some sort of ability, ability to something. kind of turn to ties at yeah. the very end against this like last boss fight. Yeah. When you do it early, there's so yeah. much early trauma that makes their growth so yeah. much more meaningful. Right. I, I agree. I think, yeah, I, I, I don't think it, and the other thing is, I don't think it's very common, right? Like, I think Game of Thrones is a great example of killing off characters. But yeah, like the game we were talking about with the sheep and the wolf, turns out the main protagonist survives, right. all his all his friends die. And that's in the, yeah. what, the second or third episode? Super that was really fast. So I was like, that actually right. got me on board with the show because it shows, it shows me that the show uh, has the yeah. balls to do something like that. And that the stakes are much higher and it's much more powerful because right. you see the immediate effect on right. the main character, right? The protagonist, like he's completely wrecked by this yeah. decision of what happened. So to answer your question, how long would I survive? <laughs> I'm not yeah. physically amazingly fit. So if it's a physical game. Yeah. I might lose unless I get lucky. If it's a puzzle game kind of like that, I might also lose because I don't know if I can think that clearly on the spot right. when my life's on the line. I was never the best. Right at puzzles or you yeah. know escape room games <laughs> i think i'm okay but not the best so i don't i actually don't think i would survive that long maybe a couple of games uh and 
with a mixture of luck <laughs> i don't think i would survive very long either i'd probably die on the first day i'm not gonna lie to you I, i'm like i enjoy my puzzles but when we do escape rooms they're meant to be solved by the average joe these games are meant to kind of weed out the super high iq or super athletic yeah. so i don't think it's about very long i'm not gonna <laughs> let me get sugarcoat it yeah. but going back to the previous topic yeah in terms of killing things off early i think that those create the most meaningful stories mm-hmm. right and it doesn't even have to include gore it doesn't have to include killing right just taking an example of up from uh, disney pixar for example Right, we we see I forget what guy's oh, name. I, no I forget. I, I don't remember. But it's been a while. They lost a child early, right? He loses Ellie super early in the story, and you know it. It really builds up that character. You can you know so much about that character in the kind of five minutes where he is like pretty much completely mute and yeah, just exposition of of like short scenes and just images, yeah. right? Yeah, and I again I, I really appreciate that that again that sense of loss right in the beginning mm-hmm. it really creates such a next level depth and i know the concept of death is a sensitive one for many people but i think it also is realistic and real to kind of put those mm-hmm. in storylines and not just like in, like insert it in a meaningful way that really builds a character in a story i think that really makes like it really brings a plot line to the next level. Uh, definitely. Depth. So as you already mentioned, like death is a very powerful motivator. Right. Or, or not motivator in the sense that it will push a character to either grow and adapt in some kind of way mm. or affect them very strongly in a negative way. And then you can see how that character kind of either adapt again, adapts to it or copes with it. Or maybe they're completely distraught, right? But right. regardless, it it does bring about a lot of change in a character, and usually in a lot of stories, a sense or an opportunity for the character to grow from it. Mm-hmm. I don't think there's well, typically there aren't that many emotionally distraught moments, right. at least more so than the death of like a friend or a family or another um, character. So mm-hmm. I definitely agree with you there. Definitely pushes characters to grow and change, mm-hmm. and it moves the plot line because there's something at stake, right? I think, like, kind of taking away from the plotline now, right? When we see live actions of, you know, mangas or whatever, uh, storybooks, novels, pretty much live action anything, right? From Harry Potter, Game of Thrones to this, right? Some adaptations are really well done. I think Harry Potter, like, grew very well. Like, it aged very well over the years, right? And there's those that don't do too well. So what do you think? Oh, for example, Death Note. Death Note was done so poorly average, the live action the live action death note was like really i poor. haven't seen you should you should see it you should see you should you should feel the pain <laughs> i heard it was bad but... yeah i so i haven't watched dragon ball nor have i watched oh. <laughs> okay again not seen it i watched i did watch the trailer okay and i'm like this is heinous this is blasphemous <laughs> like what they did with goku and oh my god and so there's also avatar the last airbender which i still i haven't also seen tragic, either tragic. so i think one of the biggest flaws with live adaptations of those is because they're not true or remotely close to the source material when you hire caucasian folks white folk for roles that are from the source for material, goku <laughs> goku was this like this white dude i don't think he, i don't know if he was even blonde <laughs> no i don't think he was 
But Goku, I think he was a brunette. You, to be fair, Goku isn't blind until you yeah, go see but him. Goku was, is inherently Asian. He's East Asian. It's only his Super Saiyan power that makes him go blonde, right? But instead, this is some white dude that was a brunette, maybe, or something like that? Yeah, that's, that ain't Goku, bro. That's not Goku. Yeah, I, I Get out of here. I agree. Yeah. I've actually never watched Game of Thrones. I'm not sure how good it is compared to the books. I think we discussed yeah. this last episode. So you've read a little bit of the manga now for Alice in Borderlands. What do you think? How do you think it was adapted relative to the source material? So based on what I've read so far, the the manga goes into more detail about the main character, his backstory, and his personality, right? What led him to him being or having this personality traits that he does have now. So he was essentially a bit of like, um, he wasn't the most studious or hardworking person, but his parents weren't really that supportive of him. And so I guess he always felt yeah. like he was compared to his brother who seemed, you know, smarter and mm. achieved more and more successful. And so in this comparison, I guess it was kind of, it kind of really hurt his self-esteem. And so he wasn't very confident yeah. himself. He just wasn't very, mm. I guess, motivated as a person. And so they showed a little bit of that in the show. Mm. But in the manga, they definitely show more, right? They took more time to show him and his backstory and how he met his friends, right? And, you know, like in, for example, in the manga, I think there was yes. a section yes. that showed um, how they met, I can't remember, yeah. but the more gangstery friend, right? It's because they were like bullied and that guy stood up for them, something like that. Mm-hmm. And so that tells me more about the relationship between these characters, which I appreciate more because I know that they were close friends. You know, he stood up for him when they were down and when they were getting beat up, which makes it all the more impactful when they're put in these life and death situations where they could potentially have to kill off each other. Uh, And so their deaths, the deaths of these friends whom you know that they have a very close bond with the main protagonist, it's all the more powerful and impactful and emotional for me as a reader. And the show, again, does does that Sort of. It, it does show some scenes and does talk about it a little bit, but it didn't have the same time or depth to really build up these kind of relationships and provide that kind of background. So in that sense, I like the manga a little bit more. Obviously, seeing something live action, the action itself was a lot, I think, a lot more powerful. Like yes, in yes. the game with the killer, with the gunman, it's like tag, right? I think the game was called tag or something. Seeing someone get shot up in front of you has a lot more impact and yes there was some gore here and there but it has a lot more Im- impact than you know obviously re- seeing a drawn scene even though the, the drawing and the art style was i think I, I enjoyed it i liked it but it didn't have that same impact as seeing someone get shot right so in that sense the show did a better job but if just for story and character development purposes i feel like i would like the manga more i think the show did a decent job but something else that's always been bothering me about between manga to show adaptations or even anime to live action adaptations is that in manga and anime, I feel like there was there was a certain level of, of how would I describe this? A certain level of expectation that because it's still like a more animated or cartoony or maybe even whether it's a drawn or a show like an anime, that some characters can behave a little silly or, or over, like, I guess, animated in a way, right? And that's that's kind of acceptable. I just see, oh, this guy's just doing something funny and it's, it's you laugh and you enjoy that moment and you continue, right? Whether it's an anime or show. But when it comes to live action, I guess depending on how, so this comes down to how they, I guess the, the type of theme and atmosphere in that live action there are some more like, you know, action comedies that doesn't take itself too seriously. And so when, right. they, when the character says something funny or does something stupid, you just kind of laugh and you're like, it's a, it's a joke. It's a funny moment. Uh, that's fine. But there are some moments where it's like, if the show is trying to be a little bit more gritty or dark or realistic, and then they do something that's a little bit more 
again, like uh, like over caricature or anime mm-hmm. thing, then it kind of separates me from the show a little bit and it breaks the immersion a little bit. And I think that's one of the challenges for me with Alice in Borderland is that there, there was a couple moments in the show where I feel like it was a very anime kind of moment sure. where this character, sure. I don't know if we could talk about it now, but I guess I, I'll talk about it now since we're okay with spoilers. It was near the end where yes. Uh, yes. the ex-army guy was basically saying, so this is in the witch yes. game at the very end. And he was saying, yes. I'm the witch, come and get me, right? And he was, he has a gun, he starts shooting people, like he's mauling people. And then, and then the character, the main character comes in. I can't remember what he says exactly, but he, he stops everyone from like run because people start running, right? As soon as the bullets start flying, everybody starts running. Right. And he's like, no, just like, listen to me. It's, it was the girl who killed herself or something. You have to believe in like the power of life or something. And then somehow he stops shooting and everybody around him starts, stops running. And they just kind of had this moment of like where they, they kind of like talk for a moment. And right. I can see how that played out and would, would play out in like an anime or on our manga because you need that kind of character moment you can just stop but if this was i guess quote unquote realistic for right. a live action show i don't think that would happen if there was a gunman killing people right. everybody would run for the hills or if they found a weapon they might try to shoot him back or try to kill him for some of the more i guess aggressive or gutsy people right i don't know if everybody would stop to listen to one guy try to sort this out when there's this madman shooting and killing people so i think because the show had all these like powerful moments with the, the death of his friends and so on i kind of started developing this this sense or this feeling that's going to be a d- more darker grittier more realistic take on human reaction to these kind of like crazy situations and so that was a bit i guess immersion breaking for me where it's like are you serious would everyone actually just stop and listen i don't know about that i mean i think that's i think you're right that it's very like i think every show has points where characters have their monologues yeah, right yeah. they're just given time to speak you're right in a time of chaos where everyone's being killed left right and center i don't think realistically folks just stop stop yeah out of nowhere just like yeah. listen but i i find it very hard for like i find it hard for the producers and directors mm-hmm. to kind of fill it in otherwise right i kind of disagree in terms of some other ways right i think it's great to see developments of characters in terms of their childhoods and whatnot uh and like as you said there were flashbacks to points you know where they did flashback to earlier in their real world original world life and I don't think adding the childhood aspects, it might have deepened that relationship or defined it better for the viewers. I don't think it would have added much more to kind of explain the relationship and care for these individuals, especially in such a short time frame. Because again, they're killed in a second episode. There's no build up to it. Mm-hmm. Right. So I feel like even if you add it in these childhood scenes, I don't think it would have added too, too, too much in terms of the depth of the killings there. What I did enjoy in terms of Alice in Borderlands was that. In the manga, I found that because of how short manga chapters are, the transitions were very fast, right? You're in one scene, one panel, and then you're in another scene, another panel, right? It goes really, really, really fast. In the live action, there was actually transition. So when they go from the beach, which is a huge hideout for people who lived in this utopia, which is our next topic, all these people went on a mass game, like it was a game night. Everyone went out at the, the beach, the hotel for a game. And it showed them, you know, really the leader rallying everybody and getting everyone hyped up yeah. for these games. And I really did enjoy that. While it did not add anything to, in terms of progress, 
the plot line. I feel like things like this really adds to the depth and believability of the live action. It makes it more interesting. It makes it, it makes me more, integrates me more. I feel more immersed in the world that the director's trying to create for me. I really enjoyed that. I felt like the characters were portrayed extremely well. Their hairstyling, clothing wise, are usually hit and miss when it comes to character design. And I felt that the characters were literal, literally stripped out of the manga and put in those live action. It was the wardrobing, makeup, hairstyling was super on point. I felt that was done super duper well. So I think that's kind of the difference is you and I in terms of it, of it. I think we both enjoyed the live action. I think we both have our qualms about it. But overall, I think the way I would give a solid eight to nine out of 10 for the show. There were definitely flaws, but I felt thoroughly, thought that it was thoroughly enjoyable through and through from start to finish. I think I'd give it, yeah, I'd give it a, I'd give it an eight out of 10. Yeah. Like I think for the most part, I enjoy the concept of the show. Right. And kind of like the struggles and what they have to kind of go through with well, the main character. Right. And how they handle, I, I'm always interested in, in seeing how handle characters handle difficult situations, both psychologically right. and physically. There's a big psychological change and development of the main character after, again, going through that game where his friends die. Um, how does he cope with their death? And how does he just find the resolve or the the mindset for him to move on from, from right. where he is, right? Right. The will to live right. and so on. Hmm. So I think that was that was very interesting for me. There were a couple, again, immersion breaking moments for myself, which I've, I've kind of like mentioned before. Right. And I think those were my kind of like my gripes. So that's right. why it's maybe not like a nine out of 10 or something. Yeah. But overall, yeah, I am, I am invested. Right. And I'm interested to see where it goes from here. Yeah, I absolutely agree. So going to the beach idea i think that's probably our last topic i think for now the beach mm -hmm. idea is that there was a there's a guy who was transported to this world and he, in the live action anyways he owned this super poppin nightclub i think in tokyo something like that or bar or something and then this is this is different from the manga that's that's one of the core differences but anyways moving forward he oh. wanted to create this utopia within the borderlands where everyone lives in happiness and bliss and he crowned himself as king of the beach which is just this hotel resort where he was able to gather people to wire things up electricity is like non-existent by the way or rather electricity is uh cut off in this borderlands so this guy this king i forget his name but he created this whole elaborate lie or at least it was revealed to be a lie later on that when you collect all the cards so when you win a game you get a playing card which will resent a the number of days you that gets extended onto your visa as well as the genre of the game that you clear. So his theory that he sold to these, these people and created a cult following by doing so was that everyone was to collaborate and collect all these cards so that one person can escape and to repeat the cycle so that everyone can eventually escape. So he created this cult of people, but this is the utopia of a resort where everyone's collaborating together with a common goal of getting the cards and trying to escape. One of his golden rules was no traitors allowed, death to traitors, right? It got really extreme yes. to the point where he would spy on people. He would kind of sneak in their rooms to see if they hid playing cards. And if it was found that they were hiding yeah. playing cards from him, he would shoot them because all playing cards had to be surrendered to this king to be held on to it by safekeeping. Yeah. So, you know, mind you, the folks who were following rules were, yeah. I would argue, very happy right? They had food to eat. They had an enjoyable life, electricity, what they didn't have before. So the only food was available in the borderlands was pretty much preserved food, like canned food, uh, dried canned goods, goods, essentially. Anything like non-perishable, exactly. Basically. So 
you know, unless I'm just like objectively looking at King, of course, any villain, he ends up to be kind of like, kind of uh, psychotic, but were his intentions just? I don't think any villain, even in history, believes that they are the villain. They believe they have their own, yeah. they believe in their mission, they believe in, they will see their uh, vision through. Whereas this guy's vision was to yeah. create this utopia where people can live happy, even if it means selling them an indefinite yeah. lie. So what do you think? Like, do you think that this king's idea, like, was it so terrible to lie to this cult of people, this this cult of people who were kind of yeah. forced to follow his rule and to death, essentially? Do you think that's yeah. better? Or do you think it's better to kind of more straight up to folks? So, so that's interesting. One thing yeah. I would like to add to provide a little more context as well to this, this paradise or this utopia yes. known as the beach. One rule yes. was like the death to traitor. Right. But the other rule, and you kind of talked a little bit about it, is that the king or the number yes. one gets to be in possession of all these playing cards. Because again, if you get all the playing cards and you imagine a, a deck of playing cards, once you get them all, uh, you'll be freed from this yes. borderlands world. Right. And you can go back. But the thing is, each person is assigned a number one being the best, the king, and two being yes. second best, and so on. Uh, all the way through to, I think there's some people who were in the 70s or the 90s. And the idea is that whoever's number one gets to hold on to the cards and they get to leave first. And then after that, it would be number two and three and so on. So if you're number 75, you're not going right. to get out anytime soon. So with that in mind, going back to your point about the utopia selling a lie, I think in if you look at it at a high level, no, I don't think his ideals are too bad. I don't know. I can't remember exactly if the players or the, the main character was given a choice no. in the beginning. Like, explain to me the rules. Give me the choice. Do I want to yeah. join your beach and follow these rules where, like, if I right. betray you, I die. But otherwise, I get to live, you know, happily right. with, like, by... And these people are literally partying, right? They're drinking. Um, they're smoking. They're playing in a pool. They have music because they got gas-powered right. generators. So they have like a dance party, yeah. <laughs> like a club, almost every night or whatever, right? So if you gave me that choice, or gave, if he gave people that choice, right. I can't remember if he did. I think that'd be more fair than in that case, I would actually follow along with his ideals to a degree, even if it is a lie. But the, the part that made me question a little bit was was the point of this the numbering system, the hierarchy, right? Number one's the best, he gets all the cards. Once he get everything, he leaves. So if you're number 75, I mean, it doesn't take a genius to see, it's like, hey, I'm not gonna be leaving anytime soon, but you're still expected to play the games and risk my life, even though I'm number 75 out of, so everyone before me is gonna right. leave before me. So at that point, if, if the people still follow this willingly, then it's a little bit kind of on you. Like, I get it, he's manipulating people and he's bringing about the sly. So I think to kind of answer your question, I don't think his ideals are terrible. I think if he treats his people well, and in a sense he does, because, you know, he, he makes sure right. they're happy, it is doing something for them in essentially wasteland yeah. of a world, right, where there's people dying misery everywhere. I'm putting myself in like one of his followers even if i am number 74 right even if i realize that this it's very unlikely that these cards will grant anybody salvation right spoilers if they don't but even if i bought into these lies i'd probably just stick around and follow suit and simply because life in the beach was is infinitely superior than what it is to outside of the beach. Chances are, like there, there's ample food, supplies, alcohol. You could you could live a very pleasurable life. 
and you know, if I ever got sick, I'm sure there'd be medicine somewhere in, in their facilities as well. So even if I was number 74 or five or whatever it may be, even if the chances of me escaping because I'm such a high number, I don't think I would be opposed to living there under following these rules. Yes, it would suck because anyone who tries to leave or tries to betray the rules are essentially yeah. killed. Yeah. They're executed. But I'm I'm happy. I'm I you know I I'm not, I don't think I I don't really care. I think I'd be I don't think I, I don't think I'd mind living in that situation. I think it'd be ideal than living in misery and then dying a miserable death. Fair. But would you be okay with essentially risking your life for sem- if you're 75, then you're risking your life for essentially 74 strangers? So in order to win, just counting the face cards, so there's like, what, how many? 12 12 face cards. Excluding the 12 face cards, there's 52 cards in the deck. So that's what, 40? 40. 42 cards, excluding the Joker. Assuming that I I would have to clear 40 games on my own, assuming that I'd knock on wood that I don't have any repeats. Right, because it's possible yes. to get repeat games. Let's say three of clubs, yeah. three of clubs, three of clubs. Right. Hypothetically, you have to clear f- min- at best minimum yeah. forty games to clear. It's very unlikely for me to survive forty. Well, games, I know I wouldn't. I right. <laughs> I would. Exactly. Exactly. So knowing that, it's like yes, I'm not. I'm gonna die anyways. In all scenarios, I don't think I would survive. So would I rather die a miserable death, living in like living in a miserable state, yeah. waiting for the next game? Essentially in a, in a in limbo, or would I rather you know take a life of servitude while living in comfort, right? And I'll take I'll take the latter. I think I would take the latter. I know it sounds because you're giving up some of your rights, right, um, by doing so, or many of your rights. But I think we choose the latter. I would rather live in more comfort under more rules than complete freedom but higher chance of death, like an extraordinary higher chance of death. I think I think if you're if I'm acting under the assumption that I'm going to die soon anyways. Like, I- I'm a goner no matter what. If if I'm a goner in, I don't know, four days or five days or ten days, it's just a matter of, or sorry, games rather, not by days, but by games. Like, in four games or five games, I'm going to die anyways. Then do I should I enjoy five days of living versus living in some, like, hole somewhere, right, by myself looking for food? Right. Then, yeah, I think I would agree from that perspective. I think it comes down to how much do I believe in in this rule, this magical like uh, rule that he said that's like, oh, if you get all the cards, then you survive, and how much I trust in my in my own ability. But I can I can see where you're coming from for sure. It's just more pragmatic and like logically speaking, because chances of survival of all forty games, yeah. minimum again, at best minimum yeah. forty games. If, if you're super right. lucky, uh, so so yeah. unlikely. Right. So, yeah, you know, call it a coward's way of thinking, but, you know, I, I'd rather just take or call me a sucker. Call me a sellout. I don't care. You know, I think I think I think it's just the, I think it's the most ideal way to go. If you were to go anyways, why not and, go out in comfort? Well, and I think another point that that should be brought up is that these people actually work together. So people who yeah. are in as part of the beach, right, whenever they join a game, yeah. they form like teams or squads, whatever. Uh, and they work together right. to try to help each other, at least somewhat help each other to survive uh, compared to right. like random strangers. So they're more likely to work as a team. So in that sense, it's right. um, at least you have teammates that you can work with. So I think it does right. Right. it does boost your potential for survival 
I think, these games versus not knowing anybody and coming out with strategies on your own, right? Uh, yeah. So I think it, from that perspective, yeah, it would boost your chance to survive. So yeah, I, I could definitely, I can you, definitely get behind joining this as well. Yeah. And they also have access to guns. Mind you, not everyone yes. has, has access to guns, but supplies. the fact that you have tools, yeah. guns, supplies, even cars. They cars too. That's a game changer. You can travel. That's a that's a game changer. I don't know. I mean, you gotta find a way out eventually, but like until further notice, I'd probably stick around. There's no reason not to. So, anyways, I think that's kind of wrap things up for today. This is a little bit different from our usual stuff. We're probably gonna go back to different types of banter, but if we see a show that we really enjoy, I definitely think it's worth revisiting some of these. And it's really interesting is to talk about uh shows that have a strong psychological yes. base. Um that really uh, provokes strong, deep thinking and strong emotions from people. The shows that I that make, shows that make me think a lot about my own morality, ethics really do intrigue me. I'm not quite sure why, but I really enjoy mm-hmm. critically thinking about these issues in terms of as humans, how would I, as a human rather, how would I, how yeah. would I judge this Definitely. situation? Actually, I so I really enjoy those kind of shows as well. I think some of the best shows. So how I would define a really good show is if that show can make me make me cry make me laugh make me excited make me go through all the emotional roller coasters make me smile and do all of this even after i'm done watching the show so me just thinking back in the show i can still experience all these things and it makes me think about it long after i've watched the show to me that's what makes a good show and so i for me and, and i agree with you here a lot of the shows that kind of do this or creates this kind of feeling for me are shows that have a lot of moral or psychological questions right it really does make me think about like how would people behave in this kind of scenario how would i behave in this kind of scenario why and maybe it's just because like i was a psych student and like psychology just generally interests me but yeah i do agree with you there and so i do find myself gravitating to more of these dystopic future kind of shows or these fant- more, I guess, more extreme fantastical situations that forces the characters to behave or act in a certain way. Right. Anyways, folks, thanks for joining us today. Follow us where you follow us. Pop us a like if you enjoyed the content. Please, please do. <laughs> <laughs> It'll really help with the show. And yes, we'll see definitely. you next time. See you. See you guys.